All right, guys. Welcome to the show. Subscribe and rate review on Apple Podcast. Um, the episodes are also on Spotify, Anchor, Snitcher, all that jazz, and KeithRaza.com. Uh, a couple things going up. Uh, there are some shows coming around. I have a couple. Um, unfortunately, that's still only at the rec room right now. But this year, I think I'll just be around there and uh, working on it. I just did the Flappers Comedy Festival. That was fun. And, uh, you know, but um, so here's the dates. Uh, September 11th. Uh, Rec Room with Ida Rodriguez. You can get your tickets at www.recroomhb.com. And then October 30th, Rec Room with Jeremy Hotz. If you guys know, he's one of my favorite people to ever work with. He was my favorite boss. I really liked him a lot. He was fun. And he taught me to be a better comic. And he's just, uh, he's just a nice guy. I could say so many amazing things about him and Ida too but uh that show is very important to me because whenever I do a show with Jeremy Hotz it's really shows I I look back on and think wow this is why I'm in this game uh then we're doing November 14th with Corrine Olympias and yeah so that's all we got so far in the books you can get your tickets to either show at www.hp I'm sorry, www.recroomhp.com. Uh, subscribe, rate, review to the show. Alan Lee will not be joining us today. Um, it was a um, short moment notice. Uh, we have a great guest. I was actually supposed to do this in the green room yesterday with her at Oxnard when I opened up for Bob Saget, but um, it just didn't work out. And she said we'll do it on Zoom today. So I'm very grateful. Um, my guest is the great Mary Lynn Ricecup. Uh, you've seen her on 24, where she played uh, one of Kiefer Sutherland's uh, cop sidekicks. Uh, she's been in countless movies. Dude, Where's My Car? Road Trip. I thought her scene in Road Trip was hysterical. She has a new movie on Amazon Prime with Chris Pratt called The Tomorrow War. Uh, which is streaming right now. It's number one on Amazon at the moment. And she has a comedy special that she filmed during the pandemic in her garage that's out now. And we're going to talk to her about that and her roles and all that jazz. Um, so, yeah, if you like it, tell a friend, subscribe, rate, review, and follow the show on social media at Razor Riffs. Give us some love. Enjoy Mary Lynn Rice Cup, guys. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. Recording in progress. Hi. How are you? Good, how are you? Good. Fun night last night. You also did the comedy store after I saw on Twitter. That's awesome. No, I didn't do the comedy store after. Oh, you didn't? No way, dude. Oh, the Twitter said you did the original room. Uh, it must have been like leftover from the night before. I did it on oh, like saved in the drafts and then it got tweeted. Oh, or people nice. retweeted or something. 
Oh, nice. All right. Well, I'll cut that part out. Thank you so much for doing it. Uh, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah. It only took 20 times asking. And then uh, when we were on the you show, I thought. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes sometimes. Uh, that was a fun show. You killed it. Both shows. It was awesome. You too. Yeah, that was super fun. It's nice to be out there doing that with Bob, you know. Yeah. You were doing a lot of comedy over Zoom too, too you were saying. Like, what was that like compared to, because like I only did one Zoom show and I thought it was very hard and awkward. It is very hard and very awkward. I remember, I remember really early on, there's this woman, she went on to organize a lot of really good outdoor shows but yeah. when zoom was brand new she had a bunch of comedians on and we all just were kind of like uh like that was before people even organized shows so i think at the very beginning it was very awkward especially when they don't put sound on for the audience right so there's little things that really help and there's a few people that you know as time went on, kind of got it right. The Nowhere Comedy Club is a really good one. Yeah. Because they sort of replicate showtime as much as they can. And, and the idea of having a few people have their microphones on so you can hear laughter. And it's yeah. almost, and the, the people I've seen do it right ask the audience, like, would you, do you think you'd be a good laugher? Would you leave your sound on? And, you know, then there were people that like crashed the Zoom, like Zoom hecklers. But then I've done quite a few Zooms where there's sometimes no visual and no sound. And that's an another level of pretty messed up because you, you really are just simply talking to yourself yeah. and your own image on a screen, we which is... Well, do you think that might be a little easier, though? Because, like, you can imagine, like, it's doing, a like, a live radio. You know what I mean? I, I don't really understand what the point of doing stand-up is when you're just <laughs> doing it for yourself. But then yeah. even weirder, because people are there, but you can't hear them. So it's like a – and it's like a torture experiment where you're, like, just in a box – yeah. And you don't get any of the human response that is the whole premise behind performing stand-up. Like, that is really <laughs> the main reason why anyone would do stand-up comedy. That's the only reason why you do it, is to get the audience response. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah, you could do a radio play or <laughs> read some poetry to yourself. Yeah. Read aloud at home. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's but, I, like... but I will say I did. I did uh, start to get affection for Zoom shows towards the end, especially when they were a little bit interactive. Um, Jackie Cation had a really. Ha I think she still does it, but she ended up doing the show, and then towards the end, it would become a hang with the audience. And then yeah. the audience would always show their pets and that was always, so it just kind of morphs into a different experience. And, you know, for a while when that was the only thing I started to kind of like zoom shows. And then once I got a chance to go back live, I had a straggling zoom show after I had done live shows and then trying to go back to zoom show was just like miserable. I was like, no. Well, that was another cool thing about you because you released a special in your garage 
you know, during the pandemic. So like that's that is pretty, true. so like, what was the process like that? Like, did, when, when did you say, okay, I'm just going to do this and do it because you did it. Well, that was really fun because I have uh, my friend who's been working, I've been working with her on all different kinds of stuff, but she helped me kind of nudge me to to do that because I was doing headlining a Zoom show and I was supposed to record an album before the pandemic and I was doing all this stuff that was like topical within the pandemic you know, during my headlining Zoom show. So that weekend, we kind of were like, oh, we're just going to record this Zoom show. And we tried to record the actual Zoom show and it didn't work just because the eye lines off and of course the sound because you have straggling, you know, it just wasn't good. So we decided to replicate that show a day later and she and I did like lighting design in my garage and it was really fun. And I I really would not have been able to do it without her sort of nudging it along and sort of being the producer and director on it, you know, yeah. and I had enough things throughout the show that were things that I had said on stage many times that sort of anchored the other stuff that was more on the fly. Yeah. So I had things that would, um, things that I knew the rhythm I of. that was me and for I, a second. Yeah, that was like, time to do a podcast. Don't forget. <laughs> I really don't feel like doing anything today. I'll be honest with you, but I'm just happy to be here. But anyway, that yeah, it kind of like anchored it with material that I knew in between stuff that I didn't know very well to, that would could keep me going and keep the tempo but yeah. it definitely is a different experience. And then when I added, my friend did the the score for the for the piece, the special in the garage, and that really took it to another level because it really accentuated my oddness. Yeah. You know, like I think I, when I'm on shows with other comics, I'm like, I'm a regular comic. I talk just like normal. And then once I had a score behind me performing for no one in my garage, it really heightens whatever odd way I have of speaking and, and storytelling and however I tell my material. It just made it that much more off off the beaten path, I guess. Well, see, I don't think you're odd, but like I I feel like because I'm odd too, you know what I mean? So I feel like we kind of bond in that, you know, we're very monotone and we're, we're not like standoffish. We're just, this is just who we are. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was thinking that as you said it, that because when I heard your stand up last night, yeah, you're not odd at all. You're, you were very deadpan, but you're very clear and yeah. relatable. Um, and I, I do find that I've gotten into trouble in the past, not trouble, but like part of the exercise of stand-up over the years has been to speak clearly because really that's all it comes down to is when people, cause I used to like mumble a lot and change, change topics and kind of like look off into the distance Yeah. and part of a lot of stand-up is just, I do it for myself because it forces me to like commit and be aggressive and be clear because that's the biggest thing when comedians um i'm sure you've seen this a lot or done this yourself or times where a comedian is like oh well 
that didn't work. Or even they blame the audience like, oh, I guess you didn't get that. Or And as a viewer and somebody who's like paying attention, um, and, you know, and does stand up so you can kind of see it a little bit differently. It's like, no, they just, you just missed something or yeah. you weren't being clear or your idea wasn't coming across or you thought it was coming across in a way that you really didn't set it up properly. So most of the time, those are the, you know, that's well, what's happening. Yeah. Like the, the way I look at it is because like I, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, there's been shows where I've blamed an audience, but I look at it like after, you know, after the show thinking, okay, maybe it wasn't the audience. Maybe it was because of what you said. Maybe I, because like I stutter sometimes or sometimes, especially when I'm doing a five minute set, I find five minute sets are the hardest because I want to like cram, cram, cram as much jokes as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think longer sets are way easier than shorter sets, and I think a lot of comics don't understand that. Yeah, you do have to. Well, unless you're trying to cram yeah. a ton of material into a longer set. Yeah. Um, but like yeah, a, it's like a Mitch Hedberg style. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, I wanted to talk about the new movie that I watched the other night, which I loved. Uh, the Tomorrow War, which you're the, the star, and, <laughs> and like we were joking about, you know what happened. I don't want to give spoil alerts in case no one hasn't seen it, but let's just say you saved Chris Pratt. You know what I mean? So, pretty much, yeah. yeah. I get, I give him the uh, the uh, ability. Yeah, you to saved go him. on being the hero. You know, behind every good hero is a there woman. Comes another hero. <laughs> another hero a woman who's ready to sacrifice herself and her well-being so that the man can be the big man but what was it like filming a a movie like that because i know you've done comedy movies but this was this and you did 24 but this is like your first uh right like action yeah thing um i mean honestly during it i was really full of a lot of complaining just because it was like really hard and um you never knew what was going on i mean it was fun it was definitely fun but it just was um but then once i saw the final product i sort of understood um just the scale of movies like that and there's so many different moving parts and there's so many things that they're capturing that as an actor down on the ground it's just like what are what are we doing you know like i'm sure you just see my elbow in that stairwell and you, and you've got all these like but there's always like a bigger picture in an action movie like that and a lot of times you you really are sort of not the pawn but it's just different from being in a scene where you're having a conversation with somebody and and you understand the parameters of it i think that that's what i learned is like those that type of movie is like so unwieldy and you really don't know what you're gonna get until it's done and that it was really fun for me to see the whole product and see all the different i mean it was a pretty massive it really tried to do a lot of different things uh-huh. It's almost like three movies in one, you know, like there's the section with our whole group that first gets recruited to the future. And then there's, you know, the family stuff. And then there's the whole like third half of the film where they're like going to 
you know, find the anecdote or whatever. Anecdote. <laughs> the antidote. Um, and a lot of anecdotes along the yeah. way. But, uh, yeah, I was really excited of how it turned out. I definitely heard, like, a lot of mixed reviews about it. Some people love it. Some people hate it. But I loved it. I mean, you- I... Yeah, and like I'm I'm a huge movie guy, but like I like going to like we talked about this. I like going to the movie theaters and I don't really like watching them at home cuz I I think there's something magical going to a theater and paying for a ticket, you know what I mean? Yeah, so I, for sure. And you can see the influence in the the director of this film, um Chris McKay of like he's just like a super movie fan and you can see all you know that he like the alien is like an amalgamation of every movie alien that he's ever seen and and like sort of his love for being able to craft his own version of all these um you know big moments and he also was the director of the lego batman movie so this was his first live action action film so that was really exciting to be a part of that as well now, I wanted to ask you, because, like, um, when you do comedy, like, for example, like, last night, uh, when I worked with you and Bob, like, I feel I feel just working with you guys made me a stronger comic, because I learned from watching you guys, you know what I mean? Mm. And uh, I wanted to, like, whenever I do stand-up with anyone, like, that, like, it's, it's like comedy PhD, because I feel you can never be the best comic, all you can do is just get better. And what's that like when you do movies? Because I know you've done movies with comics too, like Bob and Hal Sparks and Tiffany Haddish, you know? And those are some of my favorites. So like, how do you translate that? Do you learn that as an actor too? Or does that make sense? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's definitely is like a completely different experience. And I don't really relate um, stand up so much in filmmaking i mean there really is nothing like performing live in front of an audience is really its own set of things i mean i will say uh i did a movie called night school with kevin kevin hart and tiffany haddish that was the one i did with tiffany haddish and all the people like the cast of characters that that we were in the night school um that was the first time i was given the opportunity to improvise and i would I guess it was, you could say it was nervous, but I almost was like, I'm so used to not having time and not wasting time and trying to like stick to the script that that was the first time on such a big budget movie with with so many people in a scene that they would take their time and do the coverage on like my character. So all of us people in that classroom, and I'm connecting this to like the comedy thing or potential like improv comedic situation yeah. and my buddies in the scene had to like nudge me of like this is your coverage like you can <laughs> improvise here but I was so um not used to doing that and then once I kind of was able to lock into like what the improvising would be as that character and like let loose that was definitely you know learning on the job from these other guys who felt more free to do that because I just never when you're in the middle of shooting something I don't know I just am more like trying to not take up too much time and you know and like get get it right within the parameters of what 
I think is reasonable because it seems like so silly that you're able to like be saying ridiculous things and they're taking the time to have the camera on you. But that definitely was that type of movie where everybody supported each other doing that so that they could like pick those moments. And I had really been wanting to do that type of movie for a long time. So that was great. Now, do you, when you, you read a lot of scripts too, does like from like a script from like 24 or the, you know, the war tomorrow, to a comedy script like how does that adjust to your mind do you have uh, trouble like reading the script flows um yeah i mean it, when i get an audition i always sometimes they don't give you the whole script they'll just give you um, sides sides for the audition uh, but i really like to read the whole script because that can change your point of view and it really is a a tone thing is the biggest thing of reading the script is like um cluing in on the tempo and the tone and 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 you know whether or not it's going to rely on the way people talk versus oh this is really plot heavy or this is not meant to be funny at all yeah. you know sometimes if something is like super dramatic I'm just like, whoa. Or it can be, you know, the opposite where sometimes it's trying to be funny and it's like maybe not my sense of humor or I'm like, oh, I see what they were trying to do or what that will eventually be rewritten into. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely a... a a different experience reading yeah. something and then seeing what it ends up becoming yeah. i've only done one movie and like it wasn't with other comics or whatever and i was just like the funny guy because i just got it from my stand-up and i was only in one scene and i just thought i just thought it was just like i i don't want to be an actor you know what i mean really? I just thought, yeah i just thought it was just so like it took like 12 hours just to film one scene you know what I mean? I was just like, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really uh, very different yeah, tempo like... and pace. Um, it's a lot of waiting around and then all of a sudden it's like, you're on, go. <laughs> and it's like really freaky to be like that. That's the major chunk of the job is to yeah. be able to turn on a dime and fit into that mode of where you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be like because you know the scene is very different than what you were doing just like four minutes prior which is yeah. kind of like zoning out and sitting around and <laughs> waiting like it's a completely different energy and I know what you're saying because it can be I want to say I was going to say it can be unsatisfying but because that's my background I'm I'm totally used to that and I think you get spoiled as a stand up because as a stand up you're just in control and you get to say whatever you want and it's all 
you get to do all the things right in the moment and you don't have to wait and you don't have to wait on these other um, elements of, you know, lighting and sound and camera and other people in the scene. And um, it's just uh, completely different. But, you know, I love acting too. It can be its own satisfaction to sort of compartmentalize these little moments or like a half a page or one line or one scene that you get to do over and over um and you can fine tune within you know yeah a little more like the time when you're shooting is like the least time out of the day right the rest of it have you ever thought about writing a script yourself for like for you just you um yeah i mean i i wrote a script that got sold to comedy central and i i don't know what they're doing with it right now i don't know if comedy central exists Uh, my manager said that they're now trying to sell it to another network i was like okay i don't even really know what that means but um but yeah that's a script about a mom who just kind of walks away from her family to to improve herself and she yeah. ends up getting into this cult for three years and then she comes back to her family and tries to insert herself back in there so that's a comedy and um is it can be matumbo in it i wish <laughs> uh yeah I, she she grabs the cat and then just, like <laughs> wanders off well, I just have two more questions for you because I want to respect your time. Um, question number one, uh, who during when you do film or stand up, who's the coolest person you've ever worked with? Oh, come on. That's a great question. Who's the coolest person? Yeah. Um, like, Harrison like, Ford. Harrison Ford? Yeah. Awesome. And then uh, this question is just for me because I'm a huge uh, fan. But uh, what was Sean William Scott like? Was he cool? Um, yeah, I mean, that was a really... I didn't really hang out with him that much. He was yeah. really nice and a lot of fun and kind of what you would expect from watching him. Um, that was, you know one of if not his first big thing when i did road trip so you also did dude where's my car so you worked oh yeah (laughs) that's right you would think i would have hung out with him yeah he really (laughs) didn't have any interest in me it was like Uh i didn't it was like i didn't exist i was just a side person in sean william scott's life but no he is fun and funny i'm sorry to hear that no i wasn't like that at all i didn't want to hang out with him either um (laughs) He's a child. He's a child. No, he's, you know, super talented. And um, and I love that, like, sort of frenetic energy. And so he was just, like, in his zone. And I'm, you know, a fully grown lady. I don't need to be hanging out with Sean William Scott, but he was great. <laughs> he was great. Uh, I, I love I just, his, like, vibe, you know? Like, yeah. I love watching him. It's a lot of fun. I, I just think he's, like, one of those actors who I think would be fantastic as a stand-up just because he's so goofy you know what i mean yeah but uh i don't know i i met him once but he was nice but he was still goofy when i met him so i was like yeah, oh that, yeah. that's just really him like he's not yeah really i goofy. think it is as far as i can tell <laughs> 
Well, Mary Lynn, where can the folks at home follow you and support you and get your special at? Um, you can get my special on Vimeo. The link is in my social and I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook at Mary Lynn Rice Cub. All right. Well, it was an honor to work with you. I mean, you've always been one of my favorites. Thank you so much for finally doing this. I know I know, I, I kind of harassed you too much and I kind of like put you on the spot, but thank you so much for doing it. No, it really I appreciate matters. that. It really is just a matter of like, when you get requests like that over social, it's just hard because like social media can be overwhelming. But because you like harassed me so much, it was just to the point where like you become <laughs> familiar, you know, like I feel like I know you. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's Keith. And then like the fact that it came together um live like this and like i said i didn't even realize you were going to be doing stand-up until like that day and i was like oh so so that was really a treat for me and um so thank you for being persistent oh you're welcome thank you so much for saying yes it really meant a lot to me it was an honor to work with you and i hope we do it again soon me too thanks right. bye mary lynn have a great bye. day you too bye bye all right, guys, so subscribe, rate, and review to the show. That was my interview with Mary Lynn Rice Cup. And, uh, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, Sean William Scott, we love you. All right. You're listening to Razor Riffs with Keith Razor and Alan Lee, right here on LA Talk Radio. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcast. Give us some feedback. Good, honest, terrible, doesn't matter. Also, follow us on social media. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Razor Riffs. I am also on Stereo if you would like to chat with me there. www.stereo.com slash Keith Reza. And on Cameo, www.cameo.com slash Keith Reza. If you enjoyed the show, please send us a donation on the Anchor app. We really do appreciate it. And we'll rift with you again soon.